The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Pal. Hey, we're live, pal. Hey, don't take my lines. Oh, whoa, whoa. All right. <laughs> we're live, everyone. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat here on MMAfighting.com. I am, of course, your host, Jose Youngs. It has officially been two years since I took this podcast over from Sean Alshadi and Mark Raimondi. We don't have to talk about them, though, because I don't even know where they, they're working anymore. I think Mark's working at ESPN. I think that's like a bi-weekly newsletter or something, and who knows where Sean is these days. But that's neither here nor there. Thank you, everyone, for two years here on the A-Side Live Chat. Joining us this week, he has a little book that just came out, so I had to get him on. Anytime anyone has a very fascinating project on their hands in the world of mixed martial arts or here or just stuff I want to talk about in general, I like to get them on. But he just happens to be an MMA journalist. He happens to be a fantastic artist. He just wrote a book. We will talk about that, I am sure. At the end of the episode, we're going to give him all the time he wants to plug his work. But joining us is Chris Reaney out in New York. Chris, how are you doing? Excellent, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here. Of course, we're going to have you on. You've always uh, DM'd me a handful of your fantastic art. We've chat. We, I think our comic book preferences align very well. We've had a couple uh, back and forth on Twitter about uh, some non-superhero books, which I always appreciate when people want to talk about that. I think you were a big fan of Berlin, which is you're a big fan of Berlin by Jason Luth. You're already high up on my pecking order of comic book fandom. So, again, uh, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the A-Side Live Chat. Thank you so much. Again, yeah, Berlin, killer, killer stuff. <laughs> Best comic book on planet Earth and on the ones and twos. Casey Lydon, how's life in Englewood? Englewood's doing good. It's um, yeah, it's Englewood. Yeah, it rhymes. Englewood is doing good. Yeah, See, I just made that up. Englewood is fair. And yeah, yeah, you know, it's up to it's all fair in Englewood air. Let's uh, wait, give wait, me wait, a wait, haiku. Wait. Okay, oh, I was gonna say. I just, I, no haikus, not yet. 
We got we got to mm. get the, the people know the, the users. Sure, know, sure, sure. You know, viewers know build up. <laughs> then we break out the haikus. I just want to show off my awesome Chris Rini art. Look at this. How long ago did I get this, Chris? 2014. 2014. Who can? Uh huh. For you, for the viewers out there, who can, who can, who can name the fighters in this photo? You recognize them? It's based on an Esterlin photo. Yeah, I'm gonna let right. the, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let the people in the comment <laughs> sections throw their guesses out. We're not gonna be, we're not gonna be AK and just start answering the questions. <laughs> I'll see if anyone guesses it. Yeah. Well, that's just a taste of Chris's fantastic work. He has a new book that just came out. We will plug that, of course, down the road. But you guys know the drill. We're here to talk about fist fighting, mixed martial arts, or whatever else you want to talk about. You can leave your comments in the YouTube. We're also live on Twitter and Facebook. So for those of you who have never watched the show because you don't go on YouTube, welcome, everyone, from the Twitter and Facebook worlds. Leave your comments in the comment section. If you have my cell phone number, you can probably just text me. I know our, my good buddy Matt Wells has done that a few times. He's called me off guard. Oh, or you wait, can leave wait, your comments. You mean MMA junkies, Matt? Well, I was going to say that. Oh, I was like, I, I was going to say, I Ugh. doubt he's going to do that anymore because now he's working for MMA Junkie, yeah. which is again, like, I think it's like a bi, bi-monthly newsletter that's delivered by like a local, you know, newspaper boy. But anyway, you say today, what even is that? But you can leave your comments on the site. You can leave them on Twitter. Casey will see them mostly in the YouTube or Twitter or Facebook comments. But without further ado, Casey, what is our first question for our lovely mm-hmm. listeners? All right, first question, first question. Let's go. Do, do, do. Uh, Are you broken? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, man, just so many good questions. Where do we start? We had a lot of questions today, yeah. guys. You did a go. good job. This first is like one. more questions than we've had in a long time. From Four Corner Sports, NY, from Chris's part of the world. Should the UFC go with an interim title for the bantamweight division, and who should be included in that fight if Aljamain Sterling can't return by the end of the year, like he said? So, yes, of course, we've had the fantastic performance from Rob Font last weekend in the main event. Uh, he put on an absolute clinic against Cody Garbrandt, kind of cemented himself as a title contender. The problem is we have T.J. Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen coming up. A lot of people just assume that is the number one contender fight. And, of course, you need to run it back between Piotr Jan and current champ Aljamain Sterling after Peter Jan lost his title at UFC 260, if I remember correctly, by disqualification. So, Chris, do we need interim yep. belts at 135 pounds? In this case, yes. I want to see Rob Font versus Peter Jan. You know, put put the gold back on Jan, put the gold on Font, whatever. I would love to see it again. <laughs> I would love to see Jan and Aljo, like, super friction, super hot, super intense. Uh, more gold, the better. Might be, both of them will have a fake gold belt. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, do we need interim titles in the most stacked division in MMA? Uh, yes. I don't know. Jan versus somebody. I'm not sure if it's Font, but... Um... I am completely down with interim belt. I'm I'm not one of those people that hate interim belts. Actually, um, I think they're very they're fine as long as you're justified. The problem is the UFC just started throwing them out there for marketing purposes, for promotional reasons, just to sell more tickets. But this is actually a legitimate reason. Um, Sterling is the ch- is the champion. He's injured for who knows how long. Run it back. I mean, not run it back. Run it with Jan versus whoever. Um, if the timing works out with the winner of Sanhagen Dillashaw, cool. If the timing doesn't work out, then do Font with Jan, I would assume. 
I, th- I think Font is behind, though, unfortunately for him, the winner of uh, Sanhagen Dillashaw. Is that date been official yet? Is that an official date? Yeah, it's in uh, June, I believe, if I remember correctly. Okay, so it's right yeah, around June, the corner. July, somewhere around there. <clears throat> so well, if, if the winner of that gets out relatively unscathed, then I would hope, you know, in a couple months, three months past that date, we can have an interim belt. Does that sound fair? Correct. Uh, UFC 259 is also the fight that he lost his title. UFC 260 was uh, Nganu and Stipe, or Stipe and Nganu. Um, I will like to say that I saw Aljamain Sterling post a comment, I think it was on ESPN MMA's Instagram, that he was hinting at a fight in November, which if the UFC is back to full capacity would mean that would be the Madison Square Garden card, which is that's usually their stop for a November card. So Aljamain's obviously from New York. If they want to throw Peter Jan on the New York card, too, I think obviously there's a big Russian population and a big part in a part of New York. I think that's the fight to make. If it is in MSG, it's a good co-main event, and I have no idea what the main event is going to be. But if Aljo's hitting at it, then maybe we hold off, and then Sanhagen, the win. Like, the problem is Sanhagen, Dillashaw, probably number one contender. And that means that sucks for Rob Font because he just has to wait. Rob Font's kind of in that Francis Ngannou uh, area for like a year and a half. Or he's, who else is he going to fight? Maybe the loser of Sanhagen Dillashaw. But again, I have no idea. Cool. cool. Um, we have big news, big news. Um, <laughs> that is correct. Cynthia, Cynthia Vance, Travis Brown versus Chad Ooh. Griggs. Do I get a prize? Where's my prize? Damn it, Chris. Send, send Cynthia Vance. You know, long I'm time. Tell you a little secret. Cynthia Vance has a little, uh, little something in in the book. She's got. I got a little, little something from her. She does. <clears throat> and uh, Casey, you know, uh, I've been keeping a secret from you, and I guess I'm just gonna have to keep keeping it a secret. Uh, you guys are gonna get a little something when I send. They you. don't. They don't know. You haven't told they don't them? Know nothing. They don't know nothing. Wow, I'm really glad I didn't say anything at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I just assumed I just assumed they knew, so I, or like Casey knew, no, so I was going to plug it, but I was like, I'm going to like last second decision. I was like, I'm going to let Chris talk about it. Man, thank God nope. I'm going to do that. I can't tell you. I can't tell you. You know, <laughs> that's right. And Cynthia made the cut. Uh, you know, some, some people are in there. <laughs> You know who let me down? I'm going to say this. I feel bad saying it. Luke Thomas, man. Luke Thomas. I tried Ooh. getting him in there. I tried. Maybe next time. <laughs> All right. Hold on. I got uh, someone text me. Matthew Wells. Hi, Jose. MMA Junkies Matthew Wells here. No questions today. Just shout-outs to you, EKC, and Chris Reaney for being awesome. So thank you, Matt. I hope you thank enjoy you, your Matt. time at whatever uh, newsletter you joined over at USA Today. <laughs> USA I've been following today. his art for years. He's, he's good. Yeah, guy. Matt he's is like, Matt is work. fan. He's also a good friend of the show. He's been on a few times. He's also been one of my victims on Between the Links. So he was a good friend much. of the show. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he has really good art too. Go buy his art. All right. <laughs> do do do. Uh, here we go. Next question. Long one from Muff Daddy. I don't believe this person has ever commented. Oh, wait, real, real, real if he has, quick. like, hey, Chris, remember. sorry, real quick. Chris, is there, um, you're a little low, the volume oh, yeah? wise. Is there, can you get your mic closer to your I mean, mouth? I hole? can hold it here. Yeah, yeah. Is that better? That is better. Yeah. That's way okay, clear. Yeah. Cool. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, okay, Crystal cool. clear. 
right. Edson Barbosa, close decisions for Muff Daddy on the site. Is there a bigger victim of close split decisions than Edson Barbosa? Looking at his split decision losses to Paul Felder and Dan Ige, I personally scored both of them for Barbosa. I know Masvidal is known as the king of split decision, but it's just crazy to think about Barbosa could be today if th- those decisions went his way. Since 2016, his only losses outside of those two are Habib Gaethje and Kevin Lee, even as impressive wins over guys currently at the top of the lightweight division in Darius and Hooker. I honestly think he's most underrated, most underappreciated fighter in the sport. So, Chris, I'll start with you. Off the top of your head, can you think of anyone that has been the victim of split decisions more than Edson Barbosa? A hundred percent. Everybody who fought Benson Henderson at his peak, was it Gilbert Melendez, Frankie Edgar, Josh Thompson? um, Those are the big three I could think of. Oh, yeah, yeah. That dude, he was a murderer. (laughs) He's like a career derailer. So Barbosa is like the anti-Ben Henderson, where he just loses every split decision. Yeah. (laughs) I know good friend of the show, Angela Angela Hill, has been a victim of some uh, rough decisions. I believe Courtney Casey has been the victim of a few uh, very close split decisions. And Dennis Bermudez, I believe, at one point lost three straight split decisions. He could have been on a three-fight win streak. I believe it was to Darren Elkins. Rick Glenn and Andre Feely. Uh, those are the three, right. his three losses coming off the Korean zombie uh, loss. And then he finished it off with a decision over T Edwards before calling it a career. So yeah, I think at one point Dennis Fernandez goes, if he goes, he even said, I think after his loss to uh, Feely goes, if he goes to a decision, I'm probably going to lose by split decision. <laughs> so Dennis Fernandez has been a has been a victim too. He did take one though from Max Holloway. Max, yeah, he got he got yeah, he one did. against Max. Yeah, he did. USC one sixty, if I remember correctly. That's kind of That was on like the early prelims. Yeah, yeah. Since we're going back to spit decision, spit decision history, did, did didn't Max get a he got a didn't he get a lucky one against Leonard Garcia? Was it Leonard Garcia? I can't Holy. remember. I know Leonard Garcia got that gift against what was a decision over Zombie at WEC. Right. You can't even count that because that was like fight of the century. So is that, Yeah, that was. <laughs> you, you can't even blame it that one. I, I get, is I that get, even Korean I, Zombie's best fight? Oh, who is that, that better than the Poirier fight? I, I don't love think the so. Poirier fight. That's my favorite fight ever, though. So that I was the main event, that. right? Yeah. The Poirier yeah. Zombie. That was, and he, and he yeah. got the flying knee into Poirier's yeah. own choke at the end. I think the Korean <laughs> Zombie Lena Garcia one was special because it was on the, the WC pay per view, right? It was in WC pay per view. And it was kind of a mid-card fight. It was like uh, there, there wasn't no real high expectations for it. Korean like Zombie had kind of a name, but we didn't know who he was. And Linda Garcia was kind of this, you know, mid-level, you know, brawling vet. And it just kind of this kind of fight is like, oh, it looks good on paper. It just turned out to be just one of the best fights ever. So I think that's why that fight right. kind of sticks out because it just exceeded expectations just beyond anyone's thought. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Sacramento. That was the Sacramento card when Aldo just beat the legs off of Uriah Faber. That was the non-promotional pay-per-view. Remember, it didn't say WEC anywhere. Oh, that's really? right. Yeah, that's right. It was it was weird. It was weird. I remember I was with, um, working with Eric all the time, and he asked Dana that's like, it doesn't say WEC in the cage. Does it say in the gloves? Is that on purpose? He was like, I don't know. So obviously, it did on purpose. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, the posters. I just looked up the poster to remind. It says W. It says USC presents. World Featherweight Championship, Aldo versus Favor. And then at the bottom in massive letters, it does say WEC, but it's the first thing you see is at the top is W is UFC Presents. Yeah. And Dana like promoted that one. Like he did the press conference, yeah. which I think is pretty yep. much the only time. Yeah, they tried to basically they try to sell WEC as this, UFC product. 
This is the Wikipedia en- uh, entry for it. UFC presents Aldo versus Faber is also sometimes referred to as WEC 48. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, oh, back to the boy. question. The, the very last, the very last um, comment, is he the most underappreciated fighter in this sport? I don't think so. I don't. I think he's he's I, like. I think he's up. There. He's got a pretty. Yeah. Well, I mean, the UFC almost let him go just a little bit ago, and and I. I, mean, I he had I, the temerity to ask for money, though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I, I mentioned this on Twitter a few days ago, talking about. I always thought Cub Swanson was the, at least modern in the modern MMA, the best fighter never to even fight for a title for any major organization. And now I actually think it's Barboza. Maybe the best fighter right, who's never right. fought for a title in any organization, any major organization, maybe like a regional one, but as far as like, you know, Strike Force, you know, PFL, World Series of Fighting, those type of organizations. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Cub Swanson and um, Barboza haven't. So I just think that's a, a, not, not necessarily a category you want to be part of, but I just think <laughs> Barboza is just... Just, yeah, like he was just—he's one punch away, one, one, one um, simple opinion that wouldn't have rocked any boats. You know, if one judge gave him a fight this way, and no one would have gone, "That's a robbery." No one would have said that. And right. yeah, that's that sucks for Barbosa. Yeah, I hope he can he can make some make a, a title run at 145. I didn't see that coming at all. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun scraps at 145, specifically because the top of the division doesn't have a ton of wrestlers like they're just going to take mm-hmm. him off his feet so i think stylistically mm-hmm. there's a ton of exciting matchups at 145 he probably would have fought for the title if he hadn't uh had that stumbling block against jamie varner really early in his career because remember varner yeah. came out of nowhere like he yeah. the the Such ufc didn't bring for- yeah didn't even speaking of wc jamie varner was one of those guys like they didn't bring him in from the wc and they even lost on the regional scene signed him last minute to fight edson barbosa who was still undefeated this is the first fight after the spinning back kick on uh terry adam and then he knocks him out in the first round and uh yeah didn't shout out to jamie varner arizona's arizona's finest but then who has barbosa <laughs> lost to since then cerrone Ferguson, Ferguson. That was like Ferguson. Peak, Cerrone, Peak Cerrone at 55. Yeah. yeah, that was that was when Cerrone won like 12 in a row, yeah. and then he fought yeah. RDA. Um, One of the like all-time favorite club and subs. <laughs> <laughs> True story. And then uh, he lost to Michael Johnson, right, on that Brazil card. That was when Michael Johnson was like beating like Poirier, Barbosa, Ferguson. <laughs> like this was when Michael like the weirdest career, the absolute weirdest career. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets mauled by Habib, Kevin Lee. Well, and to be fair, with Kevin Lee, Kevin, I believe Kevin Lee missed weight and he got put on Bambi legs by that spinning back yes. kick, remember? You've seen that a million 100%. times. And then Justin Gaethje stabbed him in the eye uh, in their fight in Philadelphia. Mm. Is Barboza going to fight for the UFC featherweight title? Yes. <sighs> I hope so. I believe, I, certainly hope I, I believe I believe he has the skill set to do it. Um, it really depends on, t- I hate saying this, timing and uh, what the UFC wants. Not really, not, it's not really up to Barboza in a sense. I mean, he can, I think he can win. I think he's good enough, obviously. But it's, it's, does the UFC think they can sell enough tickets, sell enough pay-per-views of Barboza potentially as a champion or in a main event uh, for a title fight? So, 
Yeah, going back to timing, if they could go overseas and, you know, take him to, you know, face Volkanovski on his home turf, like, that might be uh, just like a tipping point. But I, I don't know. I, I would love to see that. I'd, I'd love to see. His, like, they're, they're two completely different frames, body shapes. Uh, I like, I, I really love seeing fights like that. I hope we get to see Holloway Barboza at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, or, I, I, I don't, I don't know when they're going to fight. I just hope we get to see it before, like they're kind of past their primes. That's all. I think Bar Barboza Cater would be a scrap too, because I asked Barboza this, like, because Barboza has a ton of finishes that he starts with his boxing. Like everyone talks about his kicks, but I, I've interviewed a handful of fighters and they said that they were surprised at how good um, Barboza's like inside boxing was. So. Cater versus Barbosa would be obviously great. Yair is a beat, zombie. Uh, Josh Edmond, whenever he returns, like Featherweight is awesome. Featherweight is such good fights. Yeah, I never noticed how good Barbosa's boxing was until he fought Anthony Pettis. And I felt like that was the fight mm -hmm. where people were like, oh, Pettis finally, he's going to fight a striker, he's going to shine again. And he just ate, the, ate his lunch with his left foot hook all day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Barbosa is a terrifying human being. <laughs> what one of the 10 most violent fighters in ufc history i said i think i said that after his fight against burgos would you agree like every fight oh, he's yeah. in whether he wins or loses is just violent oh yeah he's on that he's yeah. on that all violence team like every year 100 percent. Yeah. i think and i think he's on the all violence team but, but at the same time if you listen to him in interviews or just his <laughs> just man like you have no idea he's just like the seems like the nicest guy like it's just it's just wild and like he was just chop your head off and your legs what an animal. Mm -hmm. I got in I got in an elevator with him when I had to go get my COVID wristband on uh, Friday. And it was right after he had weighed in. It was pre-official, it was pre-ceremonial ways. I he did not look great in the elevator. Like it's obviously like when he's doing media day and get on the scale, he's like full of energy. But I was like, You okay, man? He goes, Oh man, this is just never gets easy and he was like <laughs> moving real slow after his weigh-in so yeah if he could keep making the weight though all power to him i don't know how much body fat do you think he has when he weighs in negative it's gotta something. be single yeah, it's gotta be <laughs> at least in, at least negative five yeah i don't know how it works but yeah it's in the negatives um have you noticed this Mark Kelly, why do commenters always say Barboza's gas? His last two fights, the commentary has said that in the first round. Maybe commentary bias against some fighters is for another day. Um, did they say this against Burgos? Because I couldn't hear it in the back because we had it muted. I, I think this is I more. I don't really notice it. I don't remember. Although I, I think when I hear Rogan say the fighter is gassed, I just kind of laugh it off as like, oh, there he yeah. goes again. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I think the problem with Barboza, though, is like I think I, I've talked about this before with other fighters like uh, Corey Anderson, extremely good fighters. But for some reason, we only remember their big losses. And right. I, I think Bar even, Bar even though Barboza's had big wins, he's kind of been on the big loss, too. Like, like. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he went. He didn't he survive 15 minutes of Habib? Did he survive? Yes, he did. Yes. Yeah, but he got it pretty much 10 forward every round. And mm -hmm. it's one of those fights, like, if he wouldn't got, say, submitted in the first four minutes, we wouldn't have gone, oh, okay, whatever. But for some reason, like, I feel like we have that memory that's just yeah. stuck in. And, that, and Habib's, like, talking to. Was that, that the fight where Habib was talking no, to? No, that, that was Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson. 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 Okay. Yeah. But, but it had that similar vibe, you know? Yeah. I, th I think Here's when fighters a, are, are noted for having like a blueprint, 
it makes people biased against them mm. in terms of their perception. They're like, oh, well, if you can do X, Y, Z, and in Barbosa's case, it's pressure and takedown, like people then to maybe overstate their shortcomings because they're recognizable and quantifiable. Oops, sorry. I think you sounded smart, Chris. <laughs> Here's uh, Hab- get out, Habibi. Get out of here. Get out of here. No, wrong show for this. Wrong show for stuff. that. <laughs> Habibi Habib Etzen Barbosa, 30 25, 30 25, 30 24. It wasn't 30 24. I thought I was making a joke. <laughs> he, got, he, got, he got smacked up and then he got, and then he lost to Kevin Lee. And then he beat the tar out of Dan Hooker. That was the one where we all, everyone in the backstage, because I was there. Casey, like, this was Chris. I don't know if you remember. This was in the middle of December. And they asked yeah. me, go, do you want to go cover USC Milwaukee in the middle of December? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they're like, Casey and Esther are going to go to Hawaii to cover Bellator. I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that might, that's a little better. But so I was there in Milwaukee and uh, Dan Hooker. Oh, was that was we all agreed backstage like Dan Hooker was way too tough for his own good in that fight because his body it was like yeah. a Burgos thing where his body just shut down after a while. Yeah, that was a hard one oh. to watch. That really was. And a lot of that was when Dan Hooker was tearing people apart too. So a lot of people picked him to win, and uh, yeah. Barbosa was on that two fight losing streak. Man, lightweight is bananas too. Mm-hmm. What? Oh yeah, was that fight at lightweight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Barbosa still. Yeah, yeah. Because then he lost to uh, Gaethje and Felder, and then he dropped to 145. All right. Wrestling women from MMG2K20 on the site. A couple questions. How are the UFC not pushing Carlos Sparza? She's an amazing fighter with a backstory with both Joanna Champion and Rose Namajunas. She should definitely get one of these fights next, especially after the Habib-like performance. Should the UFC start getting behind her more? So that's the first question. We'll answer that before we move on to the second one. Casey, I'll start with you because we've, you've talked about this a few times on various shows on the site. Why is the UFC not pushing Carlos Barza after her big win over Yan Nan last weekend? I have no effing clue. It's the fight to make. It's the fight with the storyline. She's earned the fight. She deserves the fight. She's, you know, Carla's now kind of, you know, sending those little tweets out there, you know, trying to up her trash talk game because I think she, that's not her style, but I think that she knows she knows that's what the brass wants. Um, I think they're not pushing Carla because Carla simply doesn't look the part, and that's, I mean, I mean, not, not that Rose looks the part, but they they've invested in Rose, so we know who Rose is. What do we know about Carla? We know she's a wrestler. We know she's like. Ex- she might be the smallest. Adam, she might be the smallest strawweight in the division. That's insane. I, I really believe she she probably is the, the smallest strawweight. Maybe her and Loma. Loma. Yeah, Loma's um, the only one I can think maybe of. Maybe Loma, but um, right. they are small strawweights, and um, I just don't think the UFC wants a fighter like Carla to have the belt. Um, that's why. Yeah, I hate to agree with you. Uh, there's like a real really subtle thing. Really No, <laughs> no, no. no. I know. no it, it, but <laughs> there's some, something as subtle as like they, they won't fight to get her walkout music, you know? Yeah. You know, like little things like that is like you can tell like there are people who are on the back burner. And uh, I think that if they would just – like you were saying – there is a narrative there. It's so easy to put put this title fight in context. It's so like to, you can literally close the circle from the inception of the the strawweight division, and and strawweight is 
the equivalent of men's lightweight. I mean, it's a shark tank and to, to get as many wins as she has in a row is notable and, and just remarkable. And I mean, man, their booking strategy is, is, is very transparent, you know, given how heavyweight is going right now. It's, it's, it's not merit-based at the moment. No. It'll merit-based will make a comeback one day when when it's convenient, but it ain't happening today. I think we were just talking about fighters who pull off or get robbed of split decisions. I don't think it helps Carla's case that she won three in a row. That I think a lot of people thought she might have lost against Marina, Michelle Waterson, and Alexa Grasso. Um, yeah, I actually thought she lost the Grasso fight personally. I don't remember who, how I scored that fight, but I, that fight was awesome. Uh, yeah. But then I yeah, it was super good. Yeah, super good. I it, scored it, it for it kind of ruined the narrative of, of a boring Carla fight because that fight yeah. was not boring. No, so it was just you know. but but that's that fight is overshadowed because uh, Jeremy Stevens got stabbed in the eye against Yair. Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah, in the main yeah. event. So no, like everyone thought Stevens and Rodriguez would be the fight of the night. And then they just gave it. It was like I feel like people view Grasso Esparza as like the default because like the main right. they, they were robbed in the main event. And then I scored it for Carla against Michelle Waterson, and I scored it for Marina uh, on Fight Island. On was it Fight Island? Yeah. So uh, a couple fights I thought she won. A couple fights I thought she lost. And also her Rose and Whaley all have the same manager. So it's not like they're all going to talk uh, trash to one another. <laughs> it's right, not like they could right. build it that way. Like I, Rose, the Carla did go about it the way I think a good way of kind of saying like, "Hey, we have unfinished business." Not like, "Hey, you suck. I hate your face." Just yeah, I yeah. beat I, once, I beat I'll you once. Again. Yeah, I beat you once. Let's do it again. But you know, the UFC yeah. probably wants to give the uh, Zhang Weili rematch. I feel like that's the direction they're leaning. Yeah. Oh, I just, you know, and like, even though I also, we talked about, you know, Carla's, all her split decisions before her dominant or extremely impressive dominant win over Jan last week. Um, even though I thought she lost a few of those split decisions, it doesn't really matter because nope. she, she was, even if I thought she lost, the fact that she was super, super, super competitive with those women. So it's not like it was a robbery, you know, it was just, a, it was just a close fight and, you know, coin flipped heads three times in a row for her. You know, that's a really yeah. is not I, I don't hold that against Carla at all. And coming into that um, Jan fight, I was like, well, she has to do something big if she wants the title fight. And she did. She did everything perfect. She did absolutely what I said she had to do to get that title fight. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And we don't need every single thing to be um, completely crystal clear for it to be. Um, completely valid yeah. at this point like uh eddie alvarez got his title shot off of like a bunch of like really grindy wall install decisions and that set up a fantastic knockout of rda and then the uh double championship win for connor like it's just one domino you know it doesn't need to be like you don't need to be securing chinese media rights with every fight just because there are chinese fighters in the top five the China, the uh, the UFC is is the PI in China done? Like I know a lot of the fighters have been training there, but is it like like is it physically built or is it still being built at this time? Because someone like posted the stat like the Chinese fighters like the last few fights, cards have not done well. Like they're mm. like they've been in good fights, but they've right. they've constantly been coming out on the on the 
the losing the losing side and i feel like they've all looked really good right away like early in the fight and then mm-hmm. they've just faded obviously Jan Janan didn't even get an opportunity to even put on offense carla just kind of took it to her right but the only fighters that Carla has, like Casey said, she's looked competitive in. The only fighters that have absolutely smacked her up have been Tatiana Suarez and Ioana and Jacek, uh, which yeah. will go into the second part of MMG 2K20's question. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When Tatiana Suarez destroys gatekeeper Chikagin, you know the UFC will still will want to book this fight. <laughs> How do you see her versus Valentina going? Could this be now the toughest test for the bullet? So, yes, for those of you who weren't aware, Tatiana Suarez announced she was medically cleared to return to competition and she is planning Yay. to return at flyweight. Uh, I don't care which weight class she returns to uh if she if she did say she felt she'd be more explosive and strong at flyweight which i would imagine would be the case she is she was for a long time one of the taller straw weights in the division so if she i was the last time she fought was valentina beat just guy she got head she head kicked just guy in that chicago card uh so was chris last time Suarez fought when she beat up esparza yes wow Mm, no, 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 She beat up Nina. Nunes she beat up Nina. Be yeah, okay, Nina okay. Nunes. Because Nina, they both, because when Nina Nunes just returned against, um, who did she just lose to? Um, Nina just wow. lost to, oh man, I forgot. Dern, Mackenzie, Mackenzie. Yeah. When Nina lost to Mackenzie, she had, the before that, her last fight was against Tatiana. So she, Nina fought, had a baby, and came back before yep. Tatiana Suarez uh, because, yep. of course, she had the hurt neck. You don't want to mess around with a hurt neck, especially yeah. with a wrestler because you can't do those blast double t- like takedowns like she normally does. But uh, yeah. maybe Tatiana – I saw someone ask why did why is Tatiana returning at flyweight. There's clearly a shorter path to the title at flyweight. And if in the back of her mind, she can, maybe she can always go back down to strawweight if her experiment at flyweight um, doesn't go the way she wants it to. So, Chris – uh, what do you think of Tatiana Suarez's chances at flyweight against the elite competition at 125? 
oh man, I see her steamrolling everybody outside the champ. Um, I don't just by, by by virtue of like the 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 division not being nearly as deep. Uh, I'm not gonna shit on an individual fighter, you know, but just from the way she abs Tatiana Suarez absolutely destroyed. You know, a dynamic striker like Grasso and a solid wrestler like Esparza. I really don't see, um, I don't see her having a lot of trouble getting to the title fight. Um, how do I see her versus Valentina going? I, I see Valentina testing the limits of Suarez's abilities. Like, you know, maybe Suarez could handle her on the ground, but it's up to her. It's up to Valentina whether or not she allows that to happen. You know, whether she chooses to engage with her. Um, I think that Valentina's, I would, I would love to see them grapple. I'd love to see them clinch. That's really what I would like to see because Valentina's takedowns from the clinch and that's probably one of the most exciting parts of her game, actually. It's, it's like that transitional space. It's half striking, half, half grappling where she kind of dictates where the fight goes and I, I really want to see her get tested that way. Casey, what are, would you favor Tatiana against everyone in the top 15 outside of Valentina? If she fights this, if, if, if the same strawweight Tatiana Suarez shows up and can, can dominate in the same way she can 10 pounds heavier, I would pick her over Valentina too. I think she's the, she's the woman that can, that can take Valentina down. And uh, I don't know if she can finish Valentina, but she can hold her down. Valentina off her back um isn't she's it, it, it of all the aspects of mma i feel like valentina off her back is the least dangerous and uh, of all the positions and that's where suarez can put valentina so i would actually pick suarez over valentina if 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 she can say like roll through chicago and she looks really good at flyweight she's been out for a long time i don't know i, I personally i don't like Putting Tatiana Suarez against someone like Jakagian, I, I love tune-up fights. I love the idea of tune-up fights. I love the idea to remind fans, you know, who she is. And um, I don't want to I, – I, I just don't like fights that high in caliber after such a big break. But that's how the UFC runs. You know, fighters have big egos. They think they can, you know, face Godzilla, you know, right when they roll out of bed. So they're, they're not going to yeah. – they always say, yeah, give me the toughest fight ever. You know, like, no, don't yeah. do that. That's, that's silly. But whatever. Yeah. Um, if, if Suarez looks good against Chikagian, which I assume we're all, we're, that's the booking that makes sense, you know, judging by UFC's no past. Um, yeah, I would pick her over every, every flyaway in the world, including Valentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, man. I would I'm like about, to see. I can't stop thinking about that fight. <laughs> I would like to see Tatiana versus... Um, like, I'm not saying that I would favor these two fighters against her, but, like, Miranda Maverick and Macy Barber are very strong at 125. Like, made, like when, when Macy Barber fought Alexa Grasso, I picked Alexa Grasso to win just because I thought she was a better, like, she was a better boxer and, like, all around a better fighter. But every time Macy Barber, like, connected with a punch, like, Alexa Grasso, like, kind of fell back. And she was like a good right. poker face, and she kept it going. Also, and when she would clinch, she would like shove her away. Like, like Macy Barber is physically a strong fighter. Miranda Maverick is a physically strong fighter. I want to see mm-hmm. Tatiana Suarez. Like, can she even take these t- women down? Because at one fifteen is one thing, but one twenty-five, those are some strong, powerful women in there. And then uh, 
man, I don't know. Like Lauren Murphy, Jojo will probably obviously get the, the winner of that fight should get the next title shot. Rightfully. So, right. But yeah. I'm looking at the top 15 right now. I would probably favorite Tatiana against almost all these women. And then the champion yeah. would be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, the champion mm-hmm. would be real interesting. Let Andrade chew some people up, lower in the rankings, get Suarez a title shot. If Suarez can take it, I want to see her versus Andrade then. Did Andrade Santos is a good fighter too. Did, did Andrade say she, is, is Andrade going back to strawweight? Do we know? Or is she staying at flyweight? I don't think she said anything. I, I think she's done fight wherever. 115, okay. 125, 135. I'm sure she'll even fight at 145 if they ask her to. Yeah. Honestly, she should make her – she should – I mean, I wish this UFC was open-minded enough to be like a person like Jessica Andrade is like action, money fight, no matter where she goes. She should just be like like the, the women's uh, Ronin, you know, just roaming from, from weight class to weight class, just like wrecking shop, action fights, just, you know, the utility fighter. you can. Wherever you, yeah. wherever you need a fighter, just call Andrade. Yeah. Um, real quick, real quick question. Um, Chris, you mentioned earlier, you know, how, you know, the flyweight division isn't, you know, necessarily the, the, the deepest division. Right. How long are we going to keep saying that for? Because I think we can, I think we all agree that right. strawweight, without a doubt, strawweight is the, the deepest division across the world, women's strawweight. But I, de- I honestly think that flyweight is now a better division than bantamweight, at least in the UFC. Yeah. I think... So, I mean, we, we always kind of crap on flyweights and women's flyweights. Is there, oh, there's no one. It's just Valentina. But I honestly think flyweight division is better overall than the bantamweight division right now. I think it yeah, will, I think I, it will I'm, be, I'm too. I'm looking at it. Foreseeable I might future. have to agree with you. I just think right. it's an old story. I, I think I think we've kind of yeah. passed that. You know, I, I understand, you know, at first when the, the, when the flyweights came about, you know, yeah. there weren't that many. But I think I think we're there now. I think you got a good, you you make a good point. I am definitely like digging up an old an old trope. I I got to be honest though, part of it is presentation. You know, if, uh, I'm I'm no uh grand objective eye, you know. I, I I can definitely be swayed by uh by the by the by the narratives that I hear, you know, and and sometimes I even watch fights with just music and no commentary, you know. I have to do that sometimes to to just like form my own uh narrative and then you hear it back later and you're like amazing you know i I didn't see or hear any of that shit you know um you know you got a good point and i think that part of it is presentation uh the way the ufc presents the division and unfortunately that involves respecting the fighters acknowledging their accomplishments acknowledging their personalities you have to do those things for the audience to become invested in that division outside of the champ Jose, has is yep. women's is Valentina at flyweight ever headlined a pay per view? Is no. that the only division that's never headlined a pay per view? I don't think Strawweight's headlined a pay per view. You want to never headline a pay per view? She's headlined like cards, but she's always been like co main event. I don't think she's ever headlined a pay per view. She's headlined in against. Uh, like on those ESPN Plus or like FS1 cards or whatever, but she's never headlined like the strawweight title has never been at the top of a pay-per-view. Uh, I think you're right. Wow, Not even. Just... I'm thinking like, what about the one where she won it versus Asparza? 
I'll look at no, that. No, that was that was co-main event. The main event was Pettis oh. and RDA. Yeah, that's yeah, coming. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, in Dallas, like, like Andre Andrade versus Wei Li. That was um, co-main. fight night. That was a fight night, so those don't count. Like mm-hmm. Valentina's fought like main events and like in Uruguay on fight nights. Oh, I know. Strawweight, Strawweight did Rose and Andrade headlined in the Brazil card. Uh, okay, okay. That was because that, but that wasn't original. Like they, everyone assumed there would be a new, another pay per view. I mean, another main event on that. That, yeah, and then that just happened to be the that was the one she got dropped on her head. That was the main event. That was pay per view. Yeah, that was the main event. And I think I was I, that one always escapes my mind because that same exact day, Pitbull knocked out Michael Chandler and Douglas Lima knocked out MVP. So I was in Chicago for that. So I missed mm-hmm. like Cannoneer, Silva, Guida, BJ Penn, uh, Ard, uh, Rose, Andrade. So that one did headline. And then Rose yeah. didn't fight until the rematch, like a year I, later. Well, we were talking about presentation, though. And sorry, Chris. And so that yeah. goes a lot into why we think. L- less of the women's flyweights because the ufc doesn't even have faith in that division to headline a pay-per-view the only division and yes. of all the divisions in the ufc that hasn't headlined pay-per-view so yeah there you go even yeah. featherweight has headlined pay-per-views yeah, Mo- multiple multiple times multiple times yeah. yeah yeah let me see here the yeah not that i can think of but five yeah valentina has always been she was the co-main event in the chicago card she wasn't even and we talk about how usually like the the heavier fights always get top billing unless you're like con mcgregor or ronda or whatever they put the strawweight fight above valentina andraja flyweight so they even put 115 above 125 in jackson yeah so uh, yeah it's uh i don't know she's gonna need a dance partner like a rival someone that can like talk all that greasiness that'll really sell the fight um same as uh like we said that forever amanda nunez should be like a star but she hasn't had the chael son into the anderson silva she hasn't had the daniel cormier to the john jones i think juliana pena could be that because she talks a lot of trash uh but i don't know i would like to be like that's why juliana is in that title fight i agree i mean she did everything right i think merit alone it's justifiable but the fact that she will say i am gonna f amanda nunez up like so I don't. I don't think there's a flyweight right now that because I know the UFC loves that. But like Suarez isn't going to be like Valentina Shevchenko. You've taken everything from me. You know. I just don't see that. I think they're going to they're actually going to have to sell that flyweight title fight on merit and like the two best martial artists fighting, which is going to be a tough sell for the UFC. Yeah. Because who, who cares about that? Who cares about the best versus the best? We just we just want to see beef. Yeah, man, that's like till 2005, you know. <laughs> take that, take that, to, take that to PFL. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and that I was looking at the rest of that Brazil card too. That's that felt like a pay per view built for the Brazilian market, like specifically right. for fans in attendance and for people to tune in. So Andrade Rose was a good headliner, but like Aldo Volkanovski was on that card. Anderson Silva Cannoneer was on that card. Uh, Little Nog versus uh, Ryan Spann was on that card, so that was a Brazil card. But the main right. event was still great. All right. All right, people are telling us to move on. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Do 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 do. Uh... Terence Leverett, longtime commenter on Twitter: Should a fighter be allowed out of the division ranking if they want to take a step back in competition? Example. Tone example would be Tony. Second question. Oh, let's answer the first question before we go on the second one. So, if a fighter wants a step back, should they be allowed out of the rankings? Casey, I'll start with you because you don't really like the rankings anyway. Wait, 
so give me an example of that. What does that mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. So if Tony wants, you know how you always say like, like, for example, Edmund Shabazzian just mm-hmm. lost to Jack Hermanson. You want him to return against some, you and Mike Hecker are always like, oh, we, yeah. we want someone ranked way low down, like outside of the top 40. You yeah. want a tune up fight. Um, but Edmund Shabazzian is clearly a top 15 fighter. Should the, if Edmund goes to the UFC and be like, I want to fight someone way back just to get confidence back. But I get you can't book a fight if I'm like the 13th ranked fighter in my division. I can't fight the 16th ranked fighter. Should the UFC then take them out of the rankings in order to make a match matchup? I think they should just make the matchup and keep the ranking. Um, yeah, they don't. I don't think they need to change any ranking. Uh, but yeah, I, like like Suarez, I believe I'm big in tune-up fights. Um, and like, but the thing is like no. Dude, how many pay, how many fight nights do we watch? The first fight of the night, you know, Bisbing. These guys are real fighters. These guys are tough as up. They fought their way. They're in the UFC now. Like, if you're in the UFC, there's no tune-up fights anyway. So if you fight someone, I mean, Tony fighting any lightweight, the worst lightweight in the mm-hmm. UFC, he is still a UFC caliber fighter, and that and that, that's in itself is always going to be an accomplishment to defeat someone like that. So I have no, I don't I don't think you got to take him out of the rankings. I think you just book. Book it. I don't know. <laughs> as long as the commission, I guess, allows it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that they really do a disservice to fighters, and fighters do a disservice to themselves by remaining. I think there's like you know these like greatest of all time level fighters, but then there are elite fighters who stay fighting other elite fighters and end up with these 500 records you know, for the last maybe quarter of their career. And I think they take an unbelievable amount of damage. And sometimes that feeds into the fan kind of like trashing of them. Like they eat away. Like I think of like a Carlos Condit who's like, you know, like his, what's the last, his last 15 fights. I bet he's something like eight and seven, you know, yeah. or something like that. I think about moments where fighters do exactly what you're saying. It's so rare, but whenever it happens, you end up with a vicious highlight, like, like example of like there's levels to this like uh neil magny when he fought that guy craig white he was like a last minute replacement he came in then he just sliced through him like butter you know what's a really great one is chad mendez versus cody mckenzie you're watching like the best of the best get in there he's like i saw this guy on tough get hit with get like hurt with body shots he goes in there boom one to the gut puts him down like it's okay to do that like if anything the ufc would benefit from these fighters Number one, getting some like low damage wins where they could get back in there again. And on top of that, I hate to say it, but then you come up with this Rocky story. Should anything come awry, you end up with a Lando Venata situation where like, boom, that guy dropped Tony. That guy pushed him to the limit. Now people know his name. The UFC works so – no, they don't work that hard to get people to know someone's name. You know, like let the fighter do it in the cage. You know, we're going to talk about it if it happens. I'm glad you brought up the Cody McKenzie fight because that was – if Chad Mendes wanted to get back into the win column in an impressive way, booking him against Cody McKenzie on a massive pay-per-view because that was Sun mm-hmm. and Silva too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Cody McKenzie was coming off that win over Mar- Marcus Levesseur, which I still remember that fight because that was the zombie Poirier card. I can't believe he won that fight. But it was, again, <laughs> again with his crazy guillotine he always did. And then yeah. uh, Cody made this big point where he was training with the Diaz brothers and he wouldn't shake Chad Mendez's hands and he was like mead mugging him the whole time. And then uh, Chad Mendez like ripped his liver out with a body punch. But I'm looking at rankingmma.com, which in case I don't know if you've been on the site, they do like a top 60 to 75, 50 rankings of all MMA. And they say uh, what pr- promotion they're in, 
and their last three fights and if they have a fight lined up next so this is kind of what i use for my rankings the lowest ranked they do a top 50 lightweights on planet earth the number 15th ranked fighter is alex martinez he's eight and zero in pfl he's the one fighting anthony pettis the highest the lowest ranked lightweight in the ufc is otman azatar at 47 that is still not an easy fight if yeah, you're trying exactly. to go that low there so, like Vince Pichel, Joe Selecki, Scott Holtzman, Nazrat Hasbrat, Bobby Green, and Drakkar Close are all 40 to 50. Those are all really tough fights. Exactly. So you have to go like outside of the top 100 to get yeah. an easy fight at lightweight in the UFC. Say, like like Shinya Aoki is the Shinya Aoki is the 36th best lightweight in the world. <laughs> Dude, Tony Ferguson versus Shinya Aoki would freaking rule. As soon as I <laughs> said get me it, started. I was like, Don't get me started. <laughs> as soon as I said that. Like Guram is the 30th ranked lightweight and he uh, Fazeev is 29. Like the, like you're not going to get an easy fight at 155. That's what I mean. That's why I rather I mean now is is Tony Ferguson versus Vince Bichelle an easier fight than Tony versus I don't know who Dan Hooker is that they fought Tony Dan Hooker? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean Tony versus Dan Hooker is a fight that makes sense, but I don't want to see that for Tony. I'd rather see Tony fight someone like Vince Bichelle. You know. What about uh, Alexander Hernandez? You know so the he, the blueprints oh, the blueprints kind of out there. He's two and he's one and two in his last few fights. He's been. Uh, smacked up by Dover. He got kind of dominated by Tago Moises. And then, like, Chris Goodsmacher was coming off that long layoff and he just kind of ran into Alexander Hernandez. I think that'd be a, a fun scrap. I, I like, he's high ranked, but it's a very winnable fight. I don't mind that because, um, for, for, from a promotional standpoint, if Alex Hernandez does beat Tony Ferguson, um, the UFC has put some promotional push behind Hernandez. So it would, mm-hmm. it, it's beneficial for. Good matchmaking for a promoter is if either guy wins or women lose it, wins. If either, if either women or male, oh my god, if either one wins, it's good for a promoter. But uh, yeah, I like that. Alex Randis, book it. Call me. Boom. I'm gonna text Sean Shelby. Sean second question baby. from second question <laughs> from Mr. Lev Red. Zhang Weili said, lost the belt due to booze. Said she lost the belt due to booze all other times besides. Carla versus Joanna, a straw white champ lost the belt. It was in enemy territory. Your thoughts? That is very interesting. What quote is this from? I, never, I didn't hear about this. Uh, her, she said the booze got to her. She wasn't expecting the booze. And then I believe her coach said it kind of threw her off. Uh, like she wasn't expecting to be that big of a, a heel okay. in Jacksonville. But I could have told you going into Jacksonville, anyone not American, yeah. especially yeah. a Chinese fighter is going to get booed unfortunately and I tweeted that like stop booing her like why are you booing her and everyone got mad at me I was like whatever but yeah interesting yeah. question I hadn't thought about the strawweight champs tend to lose on enemy territory outside of the Ioana Carla you know I think that's part of the game it's part of the psychological preparation and in a way you have to think about what uh you know, like who's a good person who did who who knew where they were going, knew what they were doing, and embraced it as like a Matt Sarah versus GSP too. You know, he was like, "Screw you! I'm coming to your house. I'm gonna mess up your boy." You know, it. And not that she has to come out like that, but at least Sarah knew where he was going. He knew the audience that he was going to be in front of, and he like embraced it. And I think that it's part of the it's part of the game. You know, uh, it's 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 at least worth. It, Considering uh, it's part of your fight prep. 
Um, yeah, for the Zang stuff and the booze, um, actually, I kind of I kind of blame her manager and her coaches a bit on that one. Her manager, especially, just because, I mean, I get Zang not not no not maybe not understanding the culture of uh, MMA fans in Texas. So I understand her being surprised. Jacksonville, Jacksonville. <laughs> Florida. Oh, Florida, Florida. Florida. It, same thing. Same thing. Oh yeah. yeah so Lower Texas. Yeah, Texas. Same thing. Um, so I I I, I kind I kind of blame her manager for not preparing her for that. Um, so I I get I get the shock because you know you know Wei Li's all like martial arts, martial arts, martial arts, and all of a sudden you suck. <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, I'm sure it doesn't it doesn't help that Rose was saying what she was saying in the lead up because yeah. Rose is so popular. Rose is is one of the more popular women's fi- fighters ever. And if she's saying all this, like, like I, Chris, I was, I told the story a few times. Like the every Lyft driver I had in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. I, I can't say a lot of what they were saying on live podcast. <laughs> but I was yeah. like, God, Florida is just another world to me because like they were just not hiding their disdain for like Asian fighters or Asian Americans in general. And I was, it was, it, I, I knew Florida was, I knew Florida had a certain. Sway to rep. Yeah, a certain <laughs> yeah. rep. But the fact that they were just so open about it. Like I had a yeah. uh, Lyft driver who's kept telling me his son was in the Navy working on like uh-huh. nu- in like a nuclear submarine. And yeah. he was proud of his son because he was going to make China glow. That is what he was saying. I'm just like, wow, okay, that's right, where we're right, now. Right. And then so when Whaley came out and the booze happened, I'm like, this doesn't surprise me, but it's yeah. not great. No, man. It's rough out there. It's rough out there for uh, for anybody who doesn't look like what's supposed to look like an American. You know, let's put it that way. Yeah, and it was. Florida, Florida is the only place that me and Esther have really received like upfront, in our face, just open racism. So <laughs> it was just like, whoa, you're just saying this in my face. I guess we have to fight now. I don't know how this works. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh man. Yeah, but I do agree. I'm from Florida. I'm from Florida. I was born. I do agree with this. I do agree with you, Casey, though, that her manager and coach probably should have got her prepared for this. Yeah, that's all. Because I mean, it- fighting in Las Vegas, Las Vegas is such a, like, especially on fight nights, you get, every, like, a ton of people not from Las Vegas. So that's kind of where people flock to fight. Yeah. And then before that, she fought in China, uh, where she, like, she was clearly the fan favorite, and she got that massive standing ovation when she won. So to go from that to fight of the decade in Las Vegas and then being a bad guy, I get that she might have been caught off guard, but her coach probably should have, especially her manager, probably should have got yeah. her prepared a little bit. That's all. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, this one is multiple question ones, so we'll try to get through this. MMA from Azan Zaman. On the <laughs> well, I like the subject, MMA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to rapid fire these. Next move for Ed- Next move for Edmund. How can he fix holes in his game while staying at the top? Chris, if you could book a fight for Edmund Shabazzan, who are you booking him against? Man, I am booking him against somebody who's on, like, tough. You know, somebody who is who is like greener than green. You put him on a prelim. Give get the spotlight off of him. I think the amount of press and the spotlight is as detrimental to him as the booking itself. Get him in SUG. You know what I mean? Get him get him a grappling event. You know, let him uh, just let him let him rebuild. Uh, I, how can he do it while staying at the top? He can't. All right. Uh, I'm being brutally honest here. Like, let, let the man breathe. Casey, um, Edmund versus 
I got a few ideas, but I want to hear what you uh, have to say. Who, I just found a name. Uh, someone like Kyle Dawkins, around that level. Like, uh, Kyle Dawkins. Kyle Dawkins, who just lost to uh, Bill Haas. Someone, mm-hmm. yeah, that Kyle Dawkins, clearly UFC caliber, but um, I'll be shocked if he fights for a middleweight title anytime soon. So um, Edmund versus Kyle Dawkins, that, that, they're around that level. And how can he fix holes in his game? He needs just lower level competition so he can execute what he's working on in the gym, in the cage. That's all. When he, unfortunately, fighting guys like um, Hermanson and Brunson, you got your butt kicked by Brunson. That sucks. So they basically made a lateral move one step down, like maybe a fighter one degree less better, less is, less good than Brunson with Jack Hermanson. And Jack Hermanson on the right day is better than Brunson probably. So it's not like he got a step down after getting his butt kicked by Brunson. So Kyle Dawkins would be a step back, and um, that's what Edmund needs. At the, only at the age of 23. At the age of 23, he cannot take another just horrible, horrible beating. He... His next yeah. fight would be probably the most, maybe the most crucial fight of his UFC career. Yeah. I would like to see him face either Carl Roberson, a uh, striker who just coming off an L to uh, Brandon Allen. Uh, and Carl, remember the heel hook? And Carl Roberson is more of a striker anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Breeze, who's coming off a loss. I know he has a fight coming up, so maybe the, the winner of Arroyo Breeze or um, Sam Alvey. Who's, I think uh, Sam you know, Alvey too, actually. Yeah. You know, oh, Sam Alvey is, is a guy, He's he can be an exciting, but he's one of those fighters, he's in exciting fights, or he gets finished spectacularly. He's, I know he's on a bit of a losing streak where he's had two losses and a draw in his last three fights, but his last fight against Julian Marquez was a uh, fight of the night. So mm-hmm. if the UFC is gonna, wants to use him before parting ways and they give him Admin Shabazian, then I think that'd yeah. be a, uh, a good fight too. And he's a counterpuncher. You know, he's going to give... Uh, Shabazian the space to showcase the skills he has instead of closing the distance and uh, you know getting him on his back. I agree. Boom. Or uh, Ben won via or Ben Rothel won via go go choke, but Bruce said it was via guillotine. Isn't the ref Mark Smith's duty to get the method right? Not really. I mean, it's, not really. He he could have just said winner by submission. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. The difference in go-go and guillotine is just, just whatever simple, whatever the grip is. I'm not even sure what 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 uh, Ben had, what he, what he's gripping under, under that guillotine. So, no big deal. And most importantly, what is John Jones giving birth to? I'm sure you guys saw the tweets. <laughs> uh, I believe John Jones just announced he was joining. Rich, Richard Schaefer was going to be his. Uh, uh, Represent was going to be representing him uh, moving forward. So I, maybe that's what he was talking about. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Richard Schaefer is, he's the former CEO of uh, Golden Boy Boxing. Uh, he he promoted like Ortiz and Mayweather and all that kind of stuff. So he's been in the game for quite a long time, specifically the combat sports world. So, but you know how Dana White likes dealing with these boxing uh, agents and managers. He just has glowing uh, things to say about Holly Holmes' management. Yeah, yeah. Poor Lenny. You know what? Good. Let John Jones honestly like uh, be be a heel to the UFC, not to the fans, you know? Like yeah. d- dig your heels in and like I don't know, man. That dude's got to make a stand for what his legacy is going to be, you know? And if it can't it is fighting is is speaks for itself, you know? I I would love to see somebody uh I don't know. I got my own opinion about fighter unions and whatnot like that, but I won't, I'll save it for another day. 
There you go. Another question from Four Corner Sports, NYC or NY. John Joe is saying he's comfortable if he doesn't fight until 2022. Is this smart of him or not? And if Francis is still champ by the time John returns, how big of an interest will the fight look with Francis potentially having two title defenses? Well, the more title defenses a fighter racks up is going to make him a bigger the make the fight a bigger deal. I was I said it for a long time when before the last Tony Habib fight fell apart. I thought all of that history leading up to that fight just made that fight a bigger deal because the first few times they were supposed to fight, neither one was champion. Neither one had fought for a belt yet. Neither one had an interim title. And then the next time they were supposed to, the next time, few times they were supposed to fight, I believe they were going to be the co-main event, the co-main event of Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson uh, before that fight fell apart. And then obviously the New York city thing. And then Habib and Connor just made Habib a bigger global star. I think if they had fought in Brooklyn, it would have. It was the all of going through all that chaos just led to a bigger fight. Maybe this is the same thing, but Chris, I've, obviously we all agree the more title defenses Francis racks up before he fights John Jones, it's going to be a bigger deal. Uh, but is it smart for John Jones to wait until twenty twenty two to fight again? Man, that he is rolling the dice. Um, he, he's I, I I don't trust John Jones to manage his life outside the cage so you know what i'm if i was gonna gamble i'd be like no it's not it's not smart his the greatest moments in his career have come when he has had a busy schedule and i have trouble believing that you know uh that a man can change profoundly especially when they're comfortable you know uh he has uh you know if you're not worried about food in your belly if you're not worried about a roof over your head then you have to find that internal motivation, and unless he has something truly profound uh, that he's working on, that he believes in, that motivates him, I, I've, I have serious doubts. I think the deck is stacked against him. I think the UFC is too big with a schedule that is too overwhelming. Um, yes, he could come back. He could fight, and the, the more Francis wins, you're right. It's That would be better for John, the more Francis wins, but his track record speaks for himself. Uh, for itself, uh, I don't. I don't trust him on his own. He needs a. He, he needs an opponent. He needs another man across the cage to keep him straight. Casey, I don't believe it when John John Jones say saying that he's comfortable not fighting until twenty twenty two. I don't believe that. But you know what though? If once once it gets in your brain that you are getting screwed by whoever's paying you once you once you get once against your brain that oh i can fight but i don't like this guy i'm fighting for i'm making him money and why i should be making the money once that gets in your brain uh, unless john jones gets a good deal that he's happy with uh, it's it is a smart move because he won't be able to like he'd be fighting out of vindictiveness like i don't know like i'm fighting for you know, he say he's just say he, he's fighting for one million dollars, but he goes, I should be getting ten million dollars. You know, right? That's ten times less than when you, you should. He believes he should be making. Imagine, you know, you doing your job, whatever you do, and you know, you you sell a piece of art for a hundred dollars. Like, but yeah, but normally it sells for you no know, a thousand bucks. I feel kind of, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it is hard. It, 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 it just it, it gets into because are you are you gonna make this? Are you gonna are you gonna make for Chris for? Are you gonna make the same piece of art with the same, the same passion for hundred bucks than for what you think it's worth? It's you can, no, of course. you can. I of mean, course. you could, no. but I think it's difficult. I think, and that's why I think John's in that situation. To me, 
I think from the outside looking in, because um, I have a few friends in the art scene uh, back home in Rhode Island here, I can just tell that when they start and you ask that question, Casey, would you put the same care in as if you got 10 bucks or 100 bucks? Early in their career, I would, they yeah. 100% <laughs> yeah, 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 would. Yeah. Yeah. But after yeah, yeah. a while, you're like, all right, I put the time in. I need to get paid what I'm worth. Yeah, you yeah, know. Totally. So John Jones is at this point right now. Like mm-hmm. Early in his career, he probably would have fought for a million dollars. But now that he's – the Dana yeah. White calls you the greatest of all time. How many times? That's all Dana White says. Then he wants to get paid like it. So yeah. I think that's hey, – look. But the man is flawed. You that's know, the problem. The that's him, the, yeah, that's he's, the not, problem, he's not like this perfect know? person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, in a vacuum. You're right. In context, you know, yeah. man, the deck is stacked is, against the. Uh, is phones. is Francis Ngannou versus John Jones the biggest fight in any division the UFC can make right now? That makes sense. I'm not saying like, oh, Connor versus this guy. Like I'm, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. If if the UFC yep. promotes it properly, yes. Promoted properly, yes. Like a prime time, you know, the yeah. Francis's story with John's story, John's ups and downs, his, his problems outside of the cage, you know, you know, just obviously it's the biggest fight the UFC maybe could ever just based on merit alone. Like you have you have a you have a just a, an amazing fight based on merit. That fight's even bigger if you if John, if Francis say gets one more win, defends it, beats Stipe, beats Lewis. Obviously, then it'd be even bigger. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah if if promoted properly. But but then I say that then John's John's gonna be like okay then I should be I should get the most money that a title fight's ever gotten for a challenger you know or, <laughs> right. But he ain't getting that. So no, nah, he ain't. This uh, I think the worst case scenario for the UFC is I don't know. Cyril Gaon ends up with the title before John Jones returns. Yeah, just some not random guy, but yeah, it's just the, right, the, you know, the not, title some, not someone that's going to move the needle. Yeah, I think right, Cyril right. Gaon versus Francis is a big fight over in France because they used to be teammates and there was kind of they split unceremoniously and everything. But like this just reminds me, like, do you remember when the Bellator did like that uh, dynamite like one night tournament? And then like the the winner of the co-main event would fight the winner. The main event was Liam McGarry Tito Ortiz, yeah. and then the co-main event was the the finals and like the winners would then fight each other and i think francis carmont got like a buy or got added in like last no, minute i'm was, like no francis carmont because king mo was supposed to fight it but king mo yeah. won his fight but then he got injured in his fight and he couldn't fight the second time. right 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 that's why francis so yeah, that's why i was like and like the main event was mcgarry ortiz i'm like so you're telling me we could have a, the the bellator title between tito ortiz and francis carmont could be for the Bellator light heavyweight title. <laughs> it's just like worst case. It's like that. Like this is just like worst case scenario. Like what would, what would it be? Is just like this guy coming out. But then we saw like everyone wanted Overeem Fedor in the Strikeforce Grand Prix, right? And then this alternate named Daniel Cormier hopped in and just became a star. So it works both ways. Yeah, and and and, and some chubby Brazilian took out Fedor in the tournament, right? Was that the, was that part of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Josh Barnett got dropped on his head in the the main yeah. event, and Bigfoot got knocked dead. And oh, what, a great, what, what a great tournament! What a great yeah, what tournament! A great tournament. <laughs> uh, here we, we went a little over time, Casey. What we, we got any more? Yeah, yeah. Before we yeah, want we, we want to allow Chris to plug his book. Yeah, we're gonna plug his book. Okay, I, we got right, good right, questions. Right, Wait, right. hold on, real quick. I I just, I just like this question. 
McGregor, comma, just a regular fighter from Ter- Terrence Gordon on the site. To MMA fighting, do you agree with Kamar Usman's statement about Conor McGregor being just a regular fighter? You say that Conor now is just a regular fighter with a lot of money and a lot of hype and a lot of recognition. Well, they're prize fighters. And if you take those last three things that Tristan Gordet just said, Connor is not just a regular fighter because he brings more eyeballs than anyone in the history of MMA. So if you're a pro, if, if you're saying I am a pride fighter, make as much money as possible, Connor's the guy. If Kamaru Usman wants to test himself against high level martial artists, Connor's probably further down the chain. But Chris, is Connor now, quote, just a regular fighter? I think Kamaru is talking about what happens once the cage door closes. Yeah. And yeah. in that regard, I'll cut Connor some slack and just say he's not even in the cage often enough for people to make a valid assessment. Because he, uh, watching him fight Poirier, I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, every, every, single, every single exchange, you know. So in a way, I would say no. You know, uh, I'm still pretty much captivated by the, the, the fighter. I'm still, still on the hook uh, I think that he he might be might believe himself to be Mr. 2016, and when in, in 2021, you know, we're now at a point where he's been, uh, you know, off the pedestal longer than he's been on the pedestal. Uh, it's really he's a different man now. Um, the the dyna- the dynamism is there you know like uh, it was wonderful watching him stun Poirier with a right hand instead of a left but it's it's obvious that his head is not completely there you know that was part of his whole shtick at the end you know saying ah, I was planning on fighting Pacquiao later so I, I was only boxing and that you know that's a guy admitting that his head's not in the game and uh, you know the fighter he he might be there but but he's not all there right now Casey. Uh, when you say regular fighter, yeah, I'm assuming that just means when's that when that door shuts and it's just you're looking at that guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't believe Connor's. I believe he's top ten, but but right now he's booked against the number one guy in the world, which is I I think the best lightweight in the world is Dustin Poirier, not not Charles the Bronx, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. So regardless of who he's a regular fighter, that regular fighter is still getting matched up with the best fighter in the world. So that takes a lot of, you know, that doesn't make him a regular fighter in that sense. But uh, yeah, he should, yeah, Kamar Usman. I don't, I don't, I don't know what Kamar Usman is trying to say. I don't, I don't, what, I don't know what he's trying to sell here. I don't, I'm not sure. I think what, he's. I'm not even sure what he it was means. on. Yeah, sorry. He was actually. on. He, he was on. I, I can't remember if it was with Brad or Ariel. This was an ESPN interview, and obviously Connor gets brought up. And I think obviously like Charles Oliveira just did an interview with their own Guillermo Cruz as well. And he, Guillermo asked him like, who would you rather fight Connor or Dustin? And he said, I don't really care. They're both good fighters, but obviously Connor brings more attention. So maybe Usman's talking about like, will it bring more attention? A hundred percent. But is he more dangerous or, uh, than Leon Edwards? Probably not. Like Leon Edwards is a high caliber fighter right now. So I assume I agree with both of what you're saying. Like in terms of martial arts competition, Connor's mystique isn't there anymore unless you're but I say that and Connor has this uncanny ability to like he got smashed by Habib like he got smashed 
And Connor spun it that Habib is a coward for shooting. <laughs> he he spun it that Dustin Poirier didn't meet him in the center and kicked his legs like a coward. Like, yep. and his fans are like, yeah, he's right. I'm like, God, you guys are dumb, man. <laughs> like, Connor has that ability to just, like, his, I say the mystique is gone, but then it's not. When he fights again, people are going to be tuning in. I love that. I love what you said because, yeah, oh, look at Dustin. He kicked my legs. What, what a jerk. And then, and then he, when he loses to Mayweather, oh, Mayweather, he did. I could have kicked him. I could have kicked his legs if I wanted to, but we're just punching yeah. each other. It's like, it's like what, what it's we're amazing. Con- is, Connor's amazing how he how he can spend he losses. Is. That's actually one hundred percent. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Pretty, it's like I've never seen yeah. a, I have never seen a fighter like it more. Where he could get one shot KO'd in three seconds. He's like, oh, if I had seven seconds, I would have won. And then the question's <laughs> there. Like, what if he didn't get caught? But what we can yeah, all what agree about is eighteen lo- minutes available. <laughs> exactly. Con- everyone, a lot of people think Connor's living the Rocky Three lifestyle. The money just got to yeah. him. The training's not there. A lot. One of the. It's almost as though his his uh, verbal acumen is like an undoing. Like he's able to convince people. He's able to convince himself. Like you know, you get people like uh, you know, like like Vitor Belfort. He's like, ah, I would have won if he didn't kick me in the face. You know, like his, <laughs> their rationalizations are so uh, ham fisted that you're like, ah, you know, uh, hey. give it, go on with yourself. You know, he, he's almost boss, too good. <laughs> the Phoenix Suns would have won if time didn't run out. Exactly. That's pretty much what people say. So what we need now is to complete (laughs) what we need now is to complete the Rocky three saga. And Connor's just going to have to go train with Nate Diaz in Stockton in old school dungeon like Rocky. And they're going to have to run on the beach and then hug at the end. We ever going to see that Nate and and Connor like hell no. No, Hell no. I need it. But hell no. They have they have to fight a third time first. The most stacked division in the sport, Andy Burton. Two contenders emerged last weekend from arguably the most stacked men's, men and women's divisions. Which one was more impressive? Dern sub over Ansarov. Grant and Nina had a long layoff. Or Marina's win over Michelle. And who would you pick to... Well, this is a lot of questions. So yeah, we're going to... Confused. <laughs> and who would you pick to win that fight? So, all right, Chris, what's more impressive? Real ra- rapid fire. What is more impressive? Dern, Dern's win over Ansarov or Marina's win over Michelle Watterson? Oh, Marina's over Watterson. I not to denigrate uh, Dern. It was a stunning performance. But sometimes when you win exactly the way you're expected to win uh, against somebody who's been off on a layoff, uh, you know, it, it takes a tiny bit of the shine off. And and uh, Marina, I mean, I got shades of like uh, Diaz Daly with the way she was laying into Watterson against the against the cage. Uh, I just felt like it was a you know level of dynamism that I'm looking for. It was also last minute, and it was f- over five rounds. So exactly. main event over la- on a last-minute fight for both. Late. And Michelle was in there. Uh, she didn't get, like, smashed in at any time. But, Casey, what's more impressive for you? Uh, I'd say it's pretty much equal, honestly, because uh, yeah. D- D- Dern was so dominant over, over Nunes, Nina Nunes. Um, so I was, I was incredibly impressed by Dern's uh, progression as a fighter because her coming to the UFC, I was, I was, I thought, uh, you know, she's mid tier, but she has without a doubt improved. And so I'll give all the credit to the world. I don't know if she will fight win, win the title, but she will fight for a title eventually. And I love Marina Rodriguez. Fuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Marina Rodriguez versus Dern. I want to see it. <laughs> What's next for, well, uh, Mackenzie is going to be fighting. Oh yeah. That's that fight's going to happen if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, what, what, anyway, I, what's next for Cloudy Gadela, Michelle Watterson and Tisha Torres? Uh, yeah, I think that was what Dana White had said during oh, arena. Oh, so what's next for these three ladies 
and I will say, interestingly enough, Angela Hills fought both two of these ladies and has been tied to. Uh, she's she's fought all three. If I remember correctly, right? She's and she's and, lost uh, to all three. And That's two of them, <laughs> two of them were splits, and it's yeah. Cloudy and Michelle. Yeah. And Tisha Torres was like what? Long time ago, third fight ever in her career. And City. they were supposed to they were supposed to rematch before it fell apart. Remember? Yeah. So, uh, what's next for all three of these ladies? Casey, they'll start with you. Uh, all of them have to. I don't know. They, they're 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 in a bad position. Um, they're kind of like I, I think all three of them are kind of past their athletic prime, but they're still very good top ten. Uh, top 10, top 15 at worst straw weights. So um, I feel the UFC will use these three ladies to build up the next generation of straw weights. That's basically it. Chris? I really want to see Gedalia fight. Uh, I'd, honestly, I'd like to see Angela Hill rematch these any of these people. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, that's really what should happen. I, I don't even want to... I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, I love watching Gedalia and Watterson fight anyone, anytime. I, I'd like to see Gedalia and Watterson fight, actually. Um, that and, I don't know, Torres, I, I feel like I thought she was kind of like having second thoughts about continuing her career, but maybe I'm misremembering she take, that. She, took, she was taking some time off. I think, I can't, because she was supposed to fight Angela and then, I think right, Angela got right. COVID and then it came up. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now that you mention it, oddly enough, Claudia Daly has never fought Michelle Watterson. Yeah. Oh, and a quick shout out to the original kind of the OG Invicta FC crew, Gadelia, Watterson, Torres, and then Carla Esparza and Rose Namajunas maybe fighting for the title. That same mm-hmm. like early Invicta FC crew are like still running the division. So man, mm-hmm. Props to Shannon Knapp for finding that talent way before UFC did and, and, and yeah. recognizing it and giving and giving him a platform. Because yeah, I just yeah. I just realized that man, I, I've seen I realized oh god, I saw all these ladies fight like in a small like you no know, warehouse or wherever it was in Kansas City years ago. It's like wow. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime the UFC absorbs an organization, which they kind of did for Invicta, Strike Force, Prime, WEC. Other people can spot talent. They there's never been a time that they absorb another organization and those people don't go on to win championships and become elite top five fighters. It happens every time. Uh, Tisha Torres is the only one of these three ladies coming off a win too. So I think she'd. I don't know who she's going. She's going to fight next. She did beat Tisha. To- beat Michelle Water. These ladies have all fought each other outside of Michelle and Claudia. So maybe match those ladies up and then Tisha can get someone. Maybe Jan, Jan Nan. She hasn't fought her yet. Yeah. Yeah. Fun scrap. There's a lot of good matchups. Bro. All right. Outside of Edgar Cruz and Aldo, who do you believe is most likely to get another title shot? Aldo. For Of these three names first, which one gets it first? Aldo, because he's the one that's being active. I would say, honestly, Cruz, because he seems to have leverage with the UFC in terms of like uh, being in their favor. I think Aldo, the beating he took against Jan was, was too, too brutal. And I think Jan's going to be champ again. Uh, I will go cruise. I will go cruise. Yeah. It's, it's one of those two. Um, yeah. I think Aldo's just been really active and that Jan fight was awesome until Aldo just 
Yandros mm-hmm. took over. Super competitive. Yeah, it was amazing. really competitive. Until it wasn't. competitive and high yeah, level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I just want to see activity from Cruz because I don't want like if Frankie yeah. Edgar picks up two more wins before Dominic Cruz returns, I think that's what we want to see. Anyway, what's next for Marab? The Marab Davalashvili, who everyone apparently has deemed the future champion of this division. Uh, what's next for Marab is a bunch of fighters who are above him saying, I don't want to fight him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's essentially, he's the 135 Islam Makachev. Incredibly yeah. good. He'll grind you and just rustle the heck out of you for 15 minutes, maybe finish you. And yeah, it's going to be a hell of a training camp, a hell of a fight to beat that man. And um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, you, I don't you want to hear the most saddest, uh, realistic thing. He's going to smash Marlon Marais. That's what's going to happen. I'm looking at the top 10. I'm like, who is going to take a fight against this guy? And Marlon has the, you know, he's got the losing. He's he's on a skid. He might... He might have lost some leverage at the UFC and the matchmakers. Uh, that uh, in the top ten, I can't picture anybody wanting to fight him and having what the about, ability uh, to say no. I think Jimmy Rivera might be one too. He kind of yeah, that that's another good choice. He, it's gonna be one of those like what Chris says. It's gonna be one of those fighters that they just can't say no. It's like when Jacare yeah. fought uh, Muniz in yeah. Houston. He admits he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, I'm like, why are you taking this fight?" He goes, "I just, I'm at a point in my career, I, I can't say no because I'm on a losing streak." So it's going to be something like that. Oof. Yeah, and that's the problem, Marab. So say Marab beats Jimmy Rivera or whatever, where then the the the, the other fighters are going to be like, oh, "He just beats some guy. Come like Rivera's no good. He's coming off a losing streak. Beat beat someone that beat someone off a winning streak, but he's just never going to get an opportunity to fight someone above him on a win streak." Unless the yeah. UFC can, you know, you know, sweeten the pot for the other fighter, but they rarely do. Yeah. They rarely do that. So, um, just yeah, bad news for Marab. I don't know. I don't sure, know. Jimmy Jimmy Rivera has only lost to Marlon Moraes, former title contender, former World Series of Fighting champion. That was a thirty second head kick. Yeah. Alzheimer Sterling, current champ, Peter Yan, former champ, Pedro Munoz, one of the stalwarts of the division, has been. Faber, Almeida, Dodson, Stamen, Alcantara. Beat Munoz, too, so he's one-on-one on that. So I went over Jimmy Rivera. still kind of holding high regard, but obviously it's not the same Jimmy Rivera. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think it is the same Jimmy Rivera. I just don't think the fans – No, that's what I'm re- saying. I mean, you, you recognition it, in terms yeah. of the fans. Yeah, yeah. Because freaking Jim Rivera is a fantastic fighter. Yes, he is. Yeah. Like, no, he had real but, momentum uh, up until yeah. the Marais fight. Yeah. Then. Maybe, the, maybe the winner of – Grant and Cheeto Vera, just because I think that would be a fun fight, but that they're a little too low ranked. Yeah, I just think that's because Marlon Cheeto Vera is a guy that's going to talk a lot of trash. Yeah. In the middle, again, during a fight, Rob would have to fight someone behind him in line, most likely. Sure. So that's just sure. right. He just always gets stuck. Okay, cool. Um, one last one <laughs> before we uh, talk about Chris Rini's, Chris Rini's new book. <laughs> Matt Bradbury, so far, who is the best I female slash male, male fighter of the year so far? Chris, best female and male fighter. Oh, my God, you're killing yeah, me. Yeah, I know. Here. This is a tough you know, one. I, dude, oh, I yeah. follow all these things. I'm like, I'm like uh, Jesus. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Francis, fighter of the year uh, so far, just because he – you know, everybody makes the joke, six months of sprawl, sprawl training. Oh, if this guy would just do that, then there would be a world beater. That dude did everything he needed to do. He sprawled. He threw a head kick. He, he knocked people out with, like, technical punches. That's it. That, that's it. That's what does it for me. He beat the guy who beat him. He beat him by performing 
exceptionally different than uh, any of his uh, previous wins, uh, just transformative, both in terms of performance, uh, technical ability, and overcoming a, pre- a past loss that did psychological damage to him. Female fighter. Uh, man, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, Amanda Nunes later. It's gonna be <laughs> it's Valentina Shevchenko. I have I have not seen uh, like a a, a wavering uh, in her at all. Uh, I think she's doing the Mighty Mouse thing. You know, we're we're starting to take her for granted, and uh, I think it needs to be acknowledged. She is still exceptional. You know, her dominance Rose, is boring. Yes, yes, yes. Like yeah. Rose, like the the terror in her. Like, it, it, I wonder if she's going to perform. You know, like it's it's a different kind of uh, exhalation when she wins. But Valentina, just like, just steel, cold steel. When Valentina, lo- when Valentina loses a round, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> yes, like, yes, she yes, must yes. suck now. You know, oh like, my god. yeah, I know you mean. Casey, yeah. male and female fighter of the year. Uh, Valentina, female male fighter. Um. It's easy to pick champs, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Yuri. I'm gonna go Yuri. I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go non-champ, a guy who's just kind of making his yeah. statement. That's why. I'm a big storyline guy. I'm gonna pick Rose for female because she made history as the first female fighter to recapture a UFC title, uh, right. and then male fighter Usman. Uh, Who's one and answered answered every every question we had against Masvidal. He's also the only champ that's two and zero. Oh. Stopped Gilbert yeah. Burns and stopped Tori Masvidal. Uh, the story with Gilbert Burns is former training partner, and he has his number. And the story with Masvidal is Masvidal with a full training camp, and Usman answered both of them. He also said if Leon Edwards beats Nate Diaz, it's hard to argue against him, and I think that is very refreshing in a champion to fight contenders. Uh, knockout of the year, Chris. Oh, Yuri. Yuri versus Reyes. 100%. Uh, you know, that's like that, uh, you know, the joke, uh, you want to see a dead body? You know? Uh, I mean, I was, I was actually really upset and terrified when I saw that, but that was it. That was the one. Casey? Um, I'm, a, I'm not going to go with Yuri. I'm actually going to go with Usman's knockout of um, Asvidal. Yeah. I think, I think there's a 1A and 1B, to be honest. I think it's uh, Usman uh, with Sanhagen Edgar this year. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Was that end of last year? That's this year. Just because that was, this year. that was just that was walkoffs are fun, and it was, he was so fight, non- right? and it was so nonchalant about it. And even Dominic Cruz, who's former champ, is like title shot, boom, give it to him. Uh, and then I think Francis isn't up for me because Francis does that against everyone, so it wasn't <laughs> shocking to me. Submission of the year, Casey. Oh, uh, go back to me. I, I, I know this one. Hold on, uh, I wrote it down. <laughs> Chris, submission of the year. Uh, you know, I like Dern's uh, armbar on uh, Nina Nunes. Um, I like the watching her work for it. I like her watching her like methodically uh, be in that tangle of limbs. Oh. Uh, you know, from an artistic perspective, that's that's like one of my favorite things to focus on right now. Muniz Jacare. Is it Muniz? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Muniz. Yeah, Muniz why? Right. yeah. Just why? the level of competition. The level of competition. That's why level for of competition, me, it's, all that matters. For me, it's Fluffy Hernandez and Vieira then. Vieira's like like has more gold medals than anyone. And he right. got submitted by Alex Hernandez, who doesn't even watch jujitsu. And I he was thirty to one underdog. I I will I 
if Jacare had taken like you no know, ten minutes of a beatdown and then got submitted, I wouldn't pick Maniz. But sure. that's why that's why I don't put Fluffy Hernandez because I, I I you know I put that that was a credit to like who was he beat Vieira Vieira was like yeah just dead Vieira. by the time he choked him you know just from the beating he took so but that's a that's a that's a good choice too Woodley got Luke tapping Woodley's a good one too I think with yeah. the Dars and um, Aspinall submitting Arlovsky I think is an underrated one because even Arlovsky was just like damn it at the end <laughs> uh, performance of the year so far Casey performance of the year oh man um Mine's Max Holloway. Pitched a perfect game. That Ooh, that fight yeah, was yeah. bananas. Okay. That was it's yeah. him or Poirier for me because that was bananas. Yeah. No. No. Max, by far, just uh, the the one sided uh, masterpiece. Oh, Casey. Complete, complete. Sorry. Completely overlooked submission of the year. Way overlooked. Nunes over Megan Anderson. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's incredibly incredible submission that was completely overlooked because of how dominant we see amanda nunez as so um yep. right. performance of the year uh man oh man um oh yeah yeah i don't know you have to throw some at me i can't i'm trying what i can't oh, i'm kind of going in a blank i'm trying to think of like holloway poirier because these are like perfect games i think rose's game plan against waylee was spot yeah. on because I talked about how, like, if you watch the Rose, the the Whaley Yoana fight, every time oh. uh, she would dock it. Go ahead. Performance of the go year. Ahead. No, actually, I'm going I'm to go Shevchenko over uh, Andrade. Oof. I'm going to go that because I there picked Andrade. I thought Andrade was the woman that could could be a force against Valentina, but I was wrong. So I was I was incredibly shocked how bad she made Andrade look. So unless Andrade had, like, the worst – performance of her career like came in with like you know food poisoning or something um if that was best on Drudge, i can't i can't i'm just i don't i still don't understand how valentina just dominated her so easily so yeah i'll pick that one could i ask you guys a favor and i feel terrible yeah. asking this after this could we plug because i have to leave and pick oh. my kid up from school oh, yeah. hit it do fight it now year. fight of the That's year awesome. real rap, rapid fire fight of the year oh Oliveira chandler Boom. Just all all energy, all energy, back and forth swings. What five minutes, seventeen seconds of uh, all action, all all tension. I I agree. Casey uh, agrees too. All the way, yeah. Chris, <laughs> the floor is yours. Plug it and make your big announcement and surprise everyone with what you got to say. Everyone, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Chris Reaney. I publish a book every year. I address the tragic hamster wheel that is the MMA schedule. What I did was I picked a couple of bookends, January 1st to December 31st. I watch all the fights. I draw all the fights. I hired two amazing artists, Gorilla the Bear, a.k.a. Adam Nelson, Edward Cow, famous for illustrating Sean Alshadi's long-form uh, journalism pieces on fighters. I had seven artists, I mean, writers writing essays. Chuck Mendenhall, Sean Alshadi, Fernanda Pratis, Julie Kedzi, Eugene S. Robinson, Josh Rosenblatt, and Schwan Humes. This is a 100-page book of art and essays chronicling the year 2020 in MMA. Uh, you can get the book at chrisrini.com, C-H-R-I-S-R-I-N-I. Catch me over at Twitter, at Rini, M-M-A. Uh, this is a book series. This is volume two. I'll be putting this out every year uh, until I die. Uh, this is my legacy. 
Uh, it's a great piece of artwork. Uh, the essays are amazing. The artists that uh, worked with me are fantastic. Um, I can't even think of what else to say because I got to go ride my bike four miles before my kid uh, you know, doesn't get stranded out in the middle of the street. <laughs> I miss anything? I'm going to get... You want to know where Sean O'Shaughnessy's been? He's been working with me, you SOB. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I, Casey, I've read the book. Chris gave me a little sneak preview of it. It is fantastic. Chris, are you going to tell Casey the big surprise or do you want him to find out the old-fashioned nope. way? I'm, oh, I told I said, give me your address. I'm going to mail it to you. You find out the surprise when you get it. I can't believe no one's told him. So I'm going to say kudos. Go find his work. Go get his book. Chris, you'll be back 100%. Oh, maybe you'll shoot. Every on fight night, go to Twitter, find me. I sketch all the fights as they're right. happening, like a like a yeah, like cage sure fighting does. court reporter. It's a lot of fun. We make some jokes. Do what we got to do. MMA's got themselves a regular Joe Sacco on our hands. So, but that is about it. That is about as big a compliment as I can give a human being. So, anyway, uh, go find his work, Rini MMA. You'll find all his artwork. Casey, uh, have fun at Englewood. We got more interviews to work on. Chris, you'll, you will 100% be back on the show, and maybe even you'll be on Mike's Between the Links Ooh, moving forward. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Enjoy. Go pick up well, your son. Thanks. thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.